this week, I wanted to take some time to talk about this topic right here. I'll call it living out of the overflow. Because one of the things that is so critical for you and I is that we live a life, and I'm just going to cut right to the chase on this, that is so compelling. Because it's real interesting, now, and I'm going to finish that statement in just a minute. When I came up in, in a denominational church background, very traditional, the denomination that I came up through was all about sharing the gospel. We called it witnessing. You've got to go witness, go share the gospel. We were all about evangelism. It took me three years to learn what the word meant, evangelism. It was complicated, sounded churchy, and I didn't come from a church background. So when I heard that term, it almost sounded scary, evangelism. Is that like a condition you get on your skin or what? Any ism is a little scary sometimes. And I remember being just, um, in a sense, not a bad sense, but being taught and in a sense indoctrinated into this thing about going and sharing your faith. And so it became this, this very high bar within our denominational context where it would be questions on a Sunday like, well, how many, how many people have you shared the gospel with? You'd be like, uh, you know, um, how, how many people did you, uh, did you lead to Christ in the last month? How, and it became almost like there was an unspoken quota that we felt like we had to do. And, we, and you know, it was a law of averages. You throw more hooks in the water, you're going to catch more fish. And it was this almost pressure, not almost, there was pressure. Hello. And I remember taking a class, I don't know if y'all remember Evangelism Explosion. It was a big thing out of uh, Florida. D. James Kennedy uh, did his great program. And then our, our denomination took and made their own version of it. And where we memorized a hundred scriptures out of the Bible... And we were going to use, can you imagine standing, engaging somebody on their front porch with a hundred scriptures? Um, yeah. And so that was the expectation. And so we, we were expected. So I did. I, I passed. I made a 100 on the test. I memorized. And you know what? I am thankful for that because all those scriptures are still there. And I'm thankful that I did that. However, the flip side of the coin was that the presentation that we were expected to give was a very canned presentation. So, I mean, it was like, you know, we even had diagrams that if you answered this way, then it would go this way. But if you answered another way, then you, we're going to take you this way. And, and I always felt, at least for me, it felt manipulated, manipulative, and it didn't feel genuine to me. And I've said this before, but I, I, there were times, listen... Going out and sharing the gospel door to door with people you don't know, let me tell you what that will do. It will up your prayer life in a massive way. My prayer life went up. I mean, I was praying, I was seeking God, and here's what I was asking the Lord Oh, Lord, please don't let anybody answer the door. I'm just telling the truth because it was scary. And there, it was scary. I mean, you're just in some neighborhood. And, and I remember this big biker dude. I love biker dudes. But this guy was a big biker dude. He didn't have anything on Big Mike. I'm just saying this dude was huge and had this awesome leather vest on and these amazing tats and this very long. And, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, ah, oh, we're, just, we're just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, I was just a young little preacher boy excited. We're just sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. That guy turned me 
every which way but loose. I've never heard such darkness come out of somebody. I used to be like you. He said that to me. I used to be like you. He said, I used to believe. He said, I used to believe all that. And I'm just, I'm not going to, I can't go any further. But I'm just saying, I walked away from that house just defeated. Torn up. I'm like, is this really what sharing the gospel of Jesus is all about? Maybe there is another way to do this. Well, I'm going to talk about that today because I did find there may be some other options out there. Amen? So let's pray together as we dive into this. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for truth. We thank you for life. We thank you for the life that Jesus lives in us and the life that Jesus lives through us. Father, may today, may today we find hope for ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that are not so combative and confrontive and argumentative. But Father, may we leave so full of Jesus that we are leaking out life everywhere we go. That life begins to be lived out of the overflow of our relationship with you. And so, Holy Spirit, the Bible calls you the Spirit of Truth. So we invite you to lead us and to guide us into all truth, even now. Lord, would you take and anoint this word, this message, that it would be a word of hope and a word of life to all that are here. We submit this to you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. When I was a brand new Christian, Dalton Williams was my best friend. And Dalton and I loved to, to spend time together in the Word. Uh, my dad had kicked me out of the house. Yeah, I was that kid. My dad kicked me out of the house and he said, you're done here. Time to go do something else. So I got a duplex in the Texas Tech ghetto. So the Tech Ghetto is no longer a ghetto. It's actually a beautiful part of Lubbock. They've rebuilt the whole thing. But in the day, it was the ghetto, I'm telling you. And so me and Dalton got our first place together. And here we were on our own, living on buttered toast. Come on, somebody. And sardines. What? Sorry, I'm damaging your appetite for our lunch. No, no, they were, let me say something else. Steak, we grilled out every night. No, I'm just kidding. So we were living on just typical bachelor food and, and uh, oh, and malto meal. I love malto meal, so that was really good. So, uh, you know, I mean, we were, we were all in, right? So here we were living, and we were on fire for Jesus. God had begun to rock my world. He had just stepped up into my life, and it came on the heels of some difficult times, a difficult season. And my parents had gone through a, a divorce. My dad had gotten remarried, and... Uh, and, and my stepmom, it's all good now, but back then she didn't like me at all. And so it, it was just really awkward. So dad said, hey, somebody's got to go from the house and it's not going to be my new wife. So uh, get your stuff together and go. So me and Dalton got, a, got this, this duplex. And uh, about that time, God had really started drawing my heart. And, 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 and I made a decision, I made a quality decision that I was going to go all in with Jesus. Now listen to me. When I say all in with Jesus, I mean all in with Jesus. I'm not talking about I'm going to play church 
on Sunday than live like the devil on uh, Monday through Saturday. I made up my mind that I was going to go so all in that I was even going to go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting. And by the way, I was the youngest guy there. <laughs> Pretty much the only young guy there for sure. And I, I, but here's the deal. When I stepped over the line to be a follower of Jesus, I made a decision that I was really stepping over the line. And as we go down this road just for a few minutes this morning, my question for you is this, simply. Have you truly stepped over the line to go all in with Jesus? Now, listen to this statement. I want to share this. This is called Living Out of the Overflow Today. But listen to this statement by Wesley Duell. I read this book in seminary, and uh, it was in a prayer class of all things. And I love this book. He says this, All other passions build upon or flow from your passion from Jesus. I want to read that statement again. All other passions build upon or flow from your passion for Jesus. A passion for souls grows out of a passion for Christ. A passion for missions builds upon a passion for Christ. The most crucial danger to a Christian, whatever his role, is to lack a passion of Jesus, of Christ. The most direct route to personal renewal and new effectiveness is a new, all-consuming passion for Jesus. And then his last statement, and his, his book, by the way, is called Touch the World Through Prayer. Beautiful book. His last statement is, Lord, give us this passion, whatever the cost. So my question for you is this. Are you willing to step over the line? And maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for many years. You've numbered yourself among a, being a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to church. That's not what I'm asking. And that's not even what I'm talking about today. I'm asking you this. In your heart of hearts, have you stepped over the line to go all in and say, you know what, I'm burning, I'm burning the ships, I'm not going back. To say, I've stepped over the line and I'm going to be a follower of Jesus at all costs. It's really interesting in the culture we live because there's not a lot of cost going on here to follow Jesus in our culture. And I think in a very real sense, it's made it very easy to step in when it's convenient, and step out when it's convenient. Am I speaking the truth? Hello. It's easy here. And so I want to challenge you to do what's counter-cultural and maybe even counter-intuitive to you. And that is, no matter whether we're fielding persecution right now, or pain, or sacrifice, still make a quality decision to say, I'm going to go all in with Jesus no matter what. No matter what. So I want to show you something. So Dalton and I, pick back up in our story, Dalton and I decided that we were going to get Bibles. So we both went and bought, we each bought a new, a new, a brand new King James Version open Bible. It's a big one with a leather cover. It's the first like really nice Bible I've ever had. And to me, it was like a treasure. It was like somebody, it's like I had gold. In fact, Dalton bought it for me. And so he had one and I had one. And every night, almost every night, we would go out to Buddy Holly Park in Lubbock. Now, it looks a lot nicer now than it did then, I'm just saying. It was kind of new. The city of Lubbock wanted to do this thing to honor Buddy Holly. So in this very rough part of town, but it was nice, but rough, 
they built this beautiful park. It's got an outdoor venue. They bring in bands. It's really a neat place. And so you can see it there. It didn't look quite that nice then, but it was at least decent. And so there was something special about being out there at night. Now, it was also dangerous to be there at night because it was in a rough place. So whenever we would hear hoodie cars coming down, we would just go kind of just duck off into the trees or hide in, in a little pavilion or whatever and wait till they got back, got their drug deal done, and then we would come back out. And what we would do for hours on end, Dalton and I would read the scriptures and we would walk this park. Sometimes together, sometimes alone. And what we were doing is we were being before the Lord in the night watches. Because we read in the Bible about being before the Lord in the night watch. So we just did it. And we would be out there sometimes all night. We'd see the sun come up the next day and then we'd go to work. Because we were so on fire for Jesus. And we so desired His presence. That we were willing to pay the cost to spend time with Him. And so Dalton and I, we grew in the Lord, we grew together. Eventually we parted ways and we went on and life went on. But I'll never forget those times because I'm imprinted by what happened during that season of my life. I made commitments before Jesus. Things like this, no matter what happens in my life, I will never go back. Now that's easy to say when things are going pretty good. Can I get an Amen. But when the wheels fall off of your life, always think about the old spindle top at Six Flags. Anybody ever do the spindle top? Anybody ever know what the spindle top is? It was this horrific ride. I called it the barf up ride because what would happen is it was this round barrel. Anybody remember this? A round barrel that was lined with this rubber matting and had a metal floor. Remember you would step out there with a bunch of unsuspecting people? Hopefully they hadn't eaten recently. And then you would all stand against the wall and it would just begin to spin faster and faster and faster to the point where the G-forces would begin to press you up against the wall. And then you'd hear this horrific sound like the wheels falling off of a jet at 30,000 feet. The, the floor would start to drop out from under you and the centrifugal force would keep you pressed against the wall. And I'll never forget going with my mom when I was in high school. Now, this, was, this would have been in the 70s when beehive hairdos, 60s and 70s, right? And I'll never forget seeing my mom on the other side pressed against the wall and her beehive hair thing was stuck to the wall. It's a great image I have of my mom. But the force of that thing would keep you pressed against the wall, the force of it. And I have no idea why I tell that story, but it was an awesome story. I was going somewhere with that. I don't know, my wife's going, I have no idea. I'll think of it later. But listen to this. The power of the season of life, of being so all in, so all in, ah, there it was, that when the bottom drops out of your life, there it is, I'm back. When the bottom drops out of your life, you don't fall out and you don't fall away. And that's my prayer for you. Listen to this. The thief, this is out of the book, we just read this a minute ago, John 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you can call that a type and shadow, you can call that a, that a, 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 a metaphor, but that is definitely a metaphor for the enemy who's a thief 
who's a liar and who's a murderer. Listen to this. I, Jesus, have come that they... Turn to your neighbor and say, they is you. Don't worry about the grammar. Just do it. They is you. Remember, I'm from West Texas. I have come that they may have life. Life. By the way, that word is zoe in the Greek. It means the God kind and God quality of life. That's the kind of life. And that they may have it more abundantly. Who would like some more abundant life? Come on. Come on. Now, let's just define what it means because we've got the, the, the description right here. And, and this word, it's, para, it's peristost. Peristost. And it literally means this. Or parasotes. And it literally means this. In the sense of beyond, super abundant. So abundance good, but how about super abundant, right? That means over and above and beyond. And I have no idea what button I just hit. Help me, somebody. But it means excessive, even excessive, over and beyond. Thank you. So here it is, the next one. Excessive, exceeding, superior in quality, super abundant in quantity, and abundantly above, beyond measure, spilling over, and there's that word, that we're going with today, and that is the word overflow. Living life out of the overflow. That's what Jesus was talking about, a life that is spilling out and touching others. So, living out of the overflows, three simple things. Receive life, speak life, and leak life. And you've heard me say some of these words before, but I want to reiterate this as we move into these foundational weeks here. Posture yourself to receive. And I said that during our time, and we'll talk more about it in a second. Speak life. That means learning to take the Word of God. Let me just say it this way. We all know the Word of God works. Can I get an amen, even if it's by faith? The Word of God works, but we have to learn to work the Word. Okay? God's given us this great gift, and He's given us this great gift in order to use it to speak word and speak words of life in our situations and over our situation. And then the last part is this. It's the result of someone who's receiving life. You're in a constant posture of receiving. Is that you're also in a posture of speaking life, receiving it, speaking it. It moves into the place of and the result of, and that is you become a life leaker. You're leaking out life constantly. And it's as natural is breathing. And this is where I want to take us in regards to sharing our faith. Max has said over and over and over, and he actually just sent me a text on Friday morning, again, just saying, Jimmy, I believe a harvest is coming. A harvest is coming. Would you believe with us for a harvest? And so, but here's the thing. If a harvest is coming, that means we may be required at some level to participate with God, to participate and co-labor with Jesus in sharing the good news, right? In speaking life, sharing life, releasing life, leaking life, so that others can come to know Him. But here it is, and I want to say this very clearly, it's as natural as breathing. Now, if somebody would have told me back in the day when I was a brand new Christian in this in this hardcore church that was like, we're out pounding the pavement to tell people about Jesus, that it's as natural as breathing, I would have said, you're crazy. It's not. In fact, it's, it's disruptive and it's scary and it's, and it's combative and sometimes even argumentative. And uh, I've learned it is as natural as breathing. I've got a couple of stories I want to share regarding that. So receive life. Let me share this about this idea of posturing to receive. 
In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, look at this. And He, God, put all things under His, Jesus' feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, listen to this, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. He fills all in all. Here's the deal. When you're full, you will leak out. When you're full, you will spill out. For example, how many of you have gotten a new product of some kind and you couldn't help but tell other people about it? Or how about maybe you saw a movie and you couldn't help but tell people about it? Anybody here in the room? Last night we saw the movie I Can Only Imagine for the first time. Love the story. Bart Millard from Mercy Me. We saw it for the first time. Boo-hoo through the whole thing. I'm not lying. And that was just me, not Annette. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a softy. It wrecked me. And I was so... Now, what do I want? I want to talk about it. I need to process that. It's so awesome. I want to tell everybody, you need to see that movie, which I'm doing right now to a lot of people. Do it. See the movie. It's amazing. And just enjoy it. Well, why do I want to tell you about it? Because it was good news to me. Because it touched my heart. Because it did something inside of me. And so I want to encourage you to enjoy that too. Now, here's the thing. When I am full of Jesus... And I'm experiencing and living out this abundant life. I'm not talking about stuff, by the way. I'm talking about life, the zoe, God quality and God kind of life. When I'm living that out, it's in me and living out of me. I can't help but talk about Jesus. This last week, our family had the privilege of hosting a lot of people in town for faith's graduation. One family that we hosted... The whole family are atheists. And so, so we, we had one family for five days. I spent five days with somebody who several times told me, I don't believe in God. But I've never had more God conversations in five days than I did with this guy. Now let me tell you, and Annette will vow to this. Here's the thing is, I never once brought up Jesus. I never once talked about our church. I wanted to because it's the best news. I wanted to share. I wanted to. So here's what we did. When we would drop them off after eating or spending time with them, Annette and I would get in the car and we would pray. Oh, Lord, touch Ron's heart. By the way, this guy's about 6'5", 300 pounds. He was a semi-pro football player until he was 40 years of age. And the dude is from Philly. I mean, pure Philly. Like all things Philly. He talks about the hood. Have you ever watched Blue Bloods? Any of that stuff? I mean, he's that guy. He's, he's that guy. And he'd say, oh, I don't believe in God. And he'd drop an expletive or two. And, then, and, and I'd say, that's cool, whatever. I didn't, I'd act like I didn't even care. Okay, whatever. And then we brought him over here. We had to pick something up at the church. And it was on Thursday night. The worship team was in here going at it. And we walk in. He goes, he's looking through the doors. Like, what's that? I said, it's a band. I didn't say it's a worship team, it's a band. He said, what? Oh, wow, what do y'all do here? He said, what do you do? Listen, the guy's never been in a Christian church, ever. Ever. I mean that. No point of reference. The only point of reference he has for Christianity is that he has an uncle who is a devout Jehovah's Witness. 
So he brought up the 144,000, there's no hell. I mean, there are several things spilled out in these conversations that I understood he was imprinted from that. So we're in here, we're walking up and down the halls, we're showing him, you know, the, the graduating senior stuff. He thinks that's really cool, and he's hearing the band, and you can tell his mind's just going, what is this place? And again, we don't say anything, we just love him. But we drug him everywhere we went except church. Brought his son to church, but we, he didn't want to come, so we took him everywhere. And all week long, then finally he says, so, so what, what, trans, what version of the Bible do you read? I'm like, whoa. He said, I've read the Bible before. I'm like, ah, good for you. He said, I don't really believe it. He said, I think it's good for people who are in trouble and need some help getting through a hard time. And, I, and then he just started talking. This was sitting in my living room one afternoon, and he just began to talk and talk. He did all the talking. What does a witness do on a witness stand? They just answer the question, what did Jesus say that we would be? His witnesses in Judea and Samaria and even to the uttermost part of the earth, right? What does a witness do? Say it. Here's the thing. We should live a life that's so compelling and so different from this world that people have to ask questions. That's what a witness does. Now, if you want to have the four spiritual laws handy, or the Roman road, or evangelism, great, those are all good materials. They're good, but I'm telling you, if Jesus is in you, sooner or later, He will spill out of you. Something will bump you, and you will leak because you're full. And he kept bringing up stuff, and he started going into eschatology. I'm like, man, this guy really has read the Bible. He's got some knowledge. And, and, and I said, look, we can talk eschatology all, all day long, or we can talk the new earth creation theory or the modified nebular hypothesis. We can go all through evolution, theistic evolution, non-theistic. We can go through all of that. I said, but Ron, it's the first time I engaged him. Because remember, he's, ask, he's doing all the talking, but he wasn't asking questions. He's mostly talking. Because he's from Philly, and he likes to hear himself talk. But finally, I just engaged him. I said, Ron, we could talk about this all day long, but let me just say something. I looked him in the eyes. I said, it comes down to this. What do you do with Jesus Christ? Got quiet, just like it did right here. Because let me tell you something, friends. I love you so much, beloved. Is that we can, we can talk about so many things in the church world. How to raise your kids. How to save for college. That's kind of on our mind a little late now. But anyway, all these things, you know, we, all these things, you know, how, how do I become a better person? How can I deal with my anger issues? How do I deal with them? We can go all, we can become like the next shopping mall for churches. Or we can come back to this simple issue, and it is what do we do with Jesus Christ? What do we do with Jesus? So I'm lovingly asking you. In the words of my former pastor, Steve Berger, I'm lovingly grabbing you by the neck. And I'm lovingly shaking you. And he does it like this. I'm lovingly grabbing you by the neck. And I'm lovingly shaking you. I'm saying, what do you do with Jesus? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. You know what? We can do social justice. We can, we can serve the poor, and we should. We can do missions, and we should. We can, we, can, we can tell people about Jesus in the workplace, and we should. We can do discipleship, and we should. We can do women's classes, men's classes. We can do children's ministry, youth ministry. We can do all these things, and we should. 
But we all have to come back to this thing. What do we do with Jesus? And I ask you this today. What are you doing with Jesus in your life? Is He your all in all? As the Scripture says. Is He what fills your life? Is He what occupies your brain space? Is He what wakes you up in the middle of the night? For me, it's about 2.30-ish. Is He your all in all? Interesting thing, by the way, when you're leaking out, you don't feel this compulsion like a, like a car salesman to close the deal. And so here's what I was very aware of as Ron and I had our many conversations. By the way, here's what I told him. I finally, I laid it thick on him one time, all right? We took him to this place to eat after church, and they served chicken fried steak on Sunday. Come on, somebody. Now I'm preaching. He had never heard of chicken fried steak. I know, I'm telling you, no wonder he's not a, a believer. So he's, he's in Texas, right? And, and if you don't eat something chicken fried down here, something's wrong. So we ordered chicken fried steak, and I, I, I looked at him, and I was dead serious. I said, Ron, there's all of us around the table. I said, Ron, let me tell you something. When you taste this, you're going to say in your heart of hearts, I now believe there is a God after all. <laughs> We laughed. It's hilarious. Because by the end of our time together, we had had so much fun together. This is what you can do when you're free in Jesus. You can have fun with people. We laughed and laughed. And, and the last thing Ron did was he invited our family to come stay in their home over the Christmas holidays. Wait, your pastor going to an... Yes! Maybe Jesus will be there. Maybe he'll beat us there, right? Do not be drunk with wine. Don't get hung up on that, Fredericksburg. Which will, <laughs> which will ruin you. But look at this. But be filled with the Spirit. We're supposed to be full of something, not just spirits, but Spirit. The Holy Spirit Himself. And by the way, the way that's translated, it literally means be continually filled or ever be filled. So we're supposed to be full, right? Filled with Jesus, filled with His Spirit. Look at this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, this comes on the, on the end of a story. Jesus is telling, He says, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? Another, trans, another passage, another gospel says good gifts. How much more will we give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Driving over here this morning, I said, Holy Spirit, Here's the deal. I don't say, Lord, I just would that you would fill me. That's not asking. That's making a weird statement. It's bad grammar. When I pray, I say, Father, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? I pause, and then I say, thank you. Thank you, according to your word. I asked, according to your word, you gave. So I walk in this door full, leaking, leaking, full. Bump into me. You might get something on you. It's not just coffee I'm carrying, Okay. You might get some life on Why? Because I've already asked to be filled. I do this on an ongoing basis. Fill me. Fill me. Are we leaky vessels? I don't know. Will we ever run out? I don't know. Here's what I know. The Word says to ask. I'm going to ask. And that I'm to be continually or ever be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, living out of the overflow, we want to learn what it means to speak life. Because here's the deal. It's not enough to receive life. We need to speak life. We need to speak life into one another. 
There is power when we speak life. There's power when we speak the Word. Listen to this. Romans 10, 17, probably familiar. So then, faith comes by. If faith comes by something, I want to know what it comes by. Why? Because I need more faith. Do you? Well, here's how it comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, don't get so hung up on that you think it's only the printed Bible. The Word of God in this reference literally means the message of Jesus. It's the message of Christ. Faith comes by hearing the Gospel. That's why when Steve McMeans and Lenny, remember I talked about Lenny last week? When Steve McMeans and Lenny prayed, I leaned over the hood of my pickup in May 1980, post-Texas, out in the country. And when I leaned over the hood of my pickup and prayed, faith came... Faith to believe, faith to be saved came because I heard the message of Jesus from Lenny and from Steve. And when they shared the gospel, the good news with me of Jesus Christ, faith was released into me to believe, to believe unto salvation. And so I believed, I stepped over the line, I gave my life to Jesus that night. Why? Because faith came and I heard So here's the deal. There's a principle here that I want to draw out. It is this. What you hear either builds or tears down. So as I speak the word, the message, over even my own life, if I'm hearing it out of my mouth, what does the Bible say it's doing? It's bringing faith, right? You need more faith? Begin to declare the word of God over your life. In Christ. I've been seated in Christ. Raised up. Seated in Him in new places. I've been placed far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And all things are under my feet as they're under Jesus' feet. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. As the enemy comes at me one way, he has to depart seven ways. What is that? It's the Word of God. God's Word, when I speak and declare it over my life, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but every name, every tongue that rises against me, you shall show to be in the wrong. As I speak and declare that Word over my life, faith comes. Faith comes. Faith is built. It also comes when we speak life over one another. When somebody comes to me, And says to me, Jimmy, you're a man of faith. You have an anointing of joy on your life. You have the anointing of gladness on you. God, what does that do? It builds me up. And I find myself lifted and encouraged. Learn to speak life. Speak the word. Look at this, Proverbs 25. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. You see the value that is assigned to fit words, good words over your life? Look at that. Apples of gold, settings of silver. Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. Boy, we could all stop right there, could we not? My mom said, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. Yes, ma'am. But my brother, no. But he, but he started... If you don't have anything good, don't say it. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it. I tell you, mom, mom had it right, didn't she? 
but only what is helpful for building others up. If I'm not building you up, I may be participating in bringing you down. There ought to be life, brother and sister. I'm looking at every one of you. Now, I'm, I'm taking Steve's posture again. I'm gently grabbing you by the neck, by the throat. I'm saying, speak life. Speak life into one another. This complaining thing, this negative stuff, come on. We're in a world of a million negative voices. It doesn't take much to stand out these days. Maybe if you speak some life into your workplace. Maybe if you go in on Monday morning speaking life over your office, over the cab of your truck, Wherever you are, speaking life into it. Maybe if you go into your home, begin to speak life into your kids' rooms. I do that, by the way. Faith still doesn't know it, but I will go into her room when nobody's home, and I'll go in and I'll speak the Word of God over her bedroom. I'll declare things over her life when she's not there. Why? Because I'm filling the atmosphere with words of life, words of hope. I'm telling you, this world is filled with negative voices. Just check your Facebook page. We need to be those who speak life, declare life, and are life givers. Amen? What it says, helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Gosh, don't hold back encouragement. Don't hold it back. You got something good to say? Let it go. Say it. You got something bad to say? Keep it to yourself. Dr. Henry Cloud, love him. He wrote the book Boundaries. He says this, when you encourage someone, it literally changes their brain chemistry to be able to perform. Whoa. It releases something in them to let them go. Encouragement sends fuel to the brain. Come on, somebody. Fill me up. Fill her up. Just let, let it fly. Let encouragement fly. You say, well, you know, I, I don't want to be just someone who flatters people all the time. I'm not talking about flattering. I'm talking about what the word encourage means literally is to, is to inspire courage. That's what it means. To encourage is to inspire courage. So when I encourage you, I'm literally inspiring you and it's changing your brain chemistry to maybe even be able to think, well, maybe I can do that after all. Maybe I am better than I thought. Maybe I can. Maybe. Just make. It's, a, it's possibility thinking. And it releases something in you. Now, living out of the overflow. This is the result. And this is our final thing. Right here. We're landing the plane on this. Here's the thing. If you receive life, you step over the line, I'm all in with Jesus. Fill me up. And then you speak life and you're declaring life and out of your mouth something is happening that's changing actually the brain chemistry of everybody in your orbit. Think about the power of that. Then the result is this. You will be a life leaker. You will just continually be someone that everywhere you go people want to know about the hope that's in you. What is this Jesus thing? What is this? Jesus thing. It's as natural as breathing. Listen to this. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, I wish that saints would cling to Christ half as earnestly as sinners cling to the devil. Let that sink in for a second. If we were as willing to suffer for God as some are willing to suffer for their lusts, what perseverance and zeal would be seen on all sides Life leakers are passionate people. 
It's so funny because if we were to all attend a football game together, it'd be interesting those in this crowd that would go ape nuts over a play, over a first down. But when we come into here, we suddenly feel like we've got to shut it down. I'll never forget Pastor Steve Berger. We were in Nashville, Tennessee. We were in a great church there called Grace Chapel, about 7,000 people. And the worship team was filled with people like uh, Jeremy and Addie Camp. You may have heard of Jeremy Camp. Nicole C. Mullen. I mean, the list just goes on and on of all these people. By the way, when they were on the worship team, nobody ever said, Oh, by the way, we have Nicole Mullen on the worship Oh, we have Jeremy Camp. Nobody, no. The ground's level at the foot of the cross. Amen? There were no celebrities in our church. But when they led worship, I'm not, I'm not kidding you, it was craziness. But here's the deal. I remember one Sunday, Jonathan, our worship leader, got up and he said, you know, he's, and two, all the musicians were like A-list session musicians, except me, they let me play, they were nice. But, I mean, we're talking A-list, real deal, guys you hear on records all the time. So you can imagine how powerful it was. I'll never forget Jonathan getting up, the main worship leader, and he said, you know, guys, he said, all these guys are professional musicians, and all through the week, when they play and they do a gig, people go nuts. People go crazy. People pay money for them to play and entertain them. But we've done something where when we come to church, we just shut it all down. He said, I think we need to change that. So the, he said, so we're going to do a jam session. This is like beginning worship at a service. And he said, we're just going to let these guys jam. The bass player took off on a riff. Guitar player kicked in, the drummer. And by, before long, I mean, now you have to understand, their church age-wise, because y'all are probably going, oh, it's probably a young church. No, 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 no. They were our age. That's old. <laughs> Colonel has spoken. These were a lot of old folk. And pretty soon, people start jumping up and down. People start lifting their hands. People start cheering. And all of a sudden, it's like the whole room broke loose. The atmosphere was split over. It felt like we were under an open heaven because these guys who were gifted as musicians and worshipers, but yet were getting paid for it in the world, suddenly were released in their gifting in the context of the house of God. There was nothing irreverent about it. There was nothing out of order about it. In fact, it was the most in-order thing I've seen. And that started a precedent that every week they would start five minutes before the worship service started, they'd come out and just start a jam. It's incredible. I'm like, you know, I'm like a kid in a candy store. What is that? It's a release. They're leaking out what's in them, the, the gift and the grace that's in them. Charles Spurgeon what perseverance and zeal would be seen on all sides. The thief, we're going to end where we started. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but I want more abundant life. I want it to the overflow. I want it to be full. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart... His mouth speaks. Out of that abundance, that's what comes out. So there it is. Receive life. Ask to be filled. It's not hard. Speak life into every situation and every person. The last one, leak life out of the overflow of Jesus' life in you. Can we all stand together?
Father, we honor you and praise you. Lord, we want to be life leakers. If that's you, just say yes, Lord. Just yes, Lord. We just want to be life leakers, Lord. So even now in this moment, we're asking as a favor, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with your presence? That we may literally leak life as we go. That we may receive life. That we may speak life. And that we may leak life starting right now. In Jesus' name. If everybody agreed, say amen.